another episode of The Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Birdie is here. Hello, hello. And Mohanad is here. Hi. How is it going? Mohanad, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, football is back. It's been a good two weeks, I think, so far, is it? Two weeks, yeah. Um, I don't know about that. Already stopped um, FPL. That's done. That's how the yeah. went. You're out. You're out the yeah. race. Yeah. It, it climaxes at week two for me. I week one, and then it goes bad, and then I use my, uh, my thingy. Your wild card. On week two, and then it goes bad, and then I'm done. <laughs> Fair enough. At least no one can say you don't have a system. Consistency. Yeah. Bernie, how are you, man? What's new? Uh, exactly the same. Uh, I looked at my team, and I was like, I still have Martial and Werner. Surely, because I thought that I had Vardy. And then Vardy's like had a had a you know great weekend. And I looked at my team, I was like, FPL's over, clearly. That's always the worst when you think you're watching a game, and you're like, oh, this guy's gonna kill it for my FPL. Then you go and what's worse, not having him or having him on the bench? Not having him for not me. having him. For me, it's bench. Because like it was so avoidable. But the, the good thing is actually one more annoying level is that when he's on the bench, he has like 12 points. Then some idiot comes on in the last second of the game when you're hoping that he wouldn't play so he could get subbed in. And you're like, why did this guy come on? You know, like, I don't know, some random Mitchell for Gustafsson. You know, some random dude. <laughs> yep. Yep. Anyway, in, in, in real football, a lot, a lot has happened. Um, we'll start with today. We are recording this on, what day is it? Monday, the 28th of September. Um, Liverpool 3, Arsenal 1. Mohamed, um, I don't know about you, but... Generally, a defeat for your team these days means, you know, depression, outrage. Um, as as Rafael de Silva said in his piece on The Athletic, uh, it, it causes everyone on Twitter just to say, you know, delete the club and fire the manager. But honestly, I wasn't too dispirited by Arsenal's 3-1 loss to Liverpool. How, how did you feel about it? Um, no, no, I agree. And I think that's been a bit of a... Um a trend with the losses under Arteta a little bit. It's because you almost, you know, we don't lose the way we've lost before under Emery or even towards the end of Wenger. You know, that those losses used to be thrashings and you looked at it and you're like, we don't have a plan. We have no idea what even we were trying to do. And you kind of go into the game already losing. With Arteta, you always go in with a bit of hope. I mean, even today we went 1-0 up, even though it was, you know, completely against our own play. And I mean completely. But at the end of the day, you can at least see that there is some kind of a trajectory, some kind of like um, an improvement and a style that he wants to implement. So you're like, you know, you, you actually don't watch just for the score, which was how it was against with Unai Emery, let's say. You only watch and you hope for the three points and that's it. But with Arteta, I almost actually watched the games to analyze the, the formation and who he plays and what he wants to do. And so that, that still, I think, gives me a little bit of fun, even though we've lost the game. So that's why maybe it doesn't have as much of an effect as it used to when we lose. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty accurate. Um, Bernie, look, so something Mohanad and I were, were discussing earlier during the game um, was that Arteta has devised a system for this for this Arsenal team based on like the players he's got, their strengths, their weaknesses, what have you. Um, he's devised a system that I have not seen before in football. And Bernie, I know um, you know from discussions that we've had about Pep in the past. You have uh, you, you enjoy batting down any 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 idea that a manager is bringing something brand new to football and like everything's been done before and what have you. 
But Arteta has developed this weird, like, I, don't know, I can't even call it a 3-4-3 because it shifts. It just constantly changes. And, like, there's no midfield. He's devised a midfielderless system that absolutely relies on people moving into space. How, do, do you concede that? Or, or do you uh, think this is something we've seen before? Um, I mean, we all see variations of things all the time. I, I, I will say... There's a lot of instruction, a lot of movement, but I would also say there's Granit Xhaka in your midfield. So when you say there's a midfieldless midfield, we're talking about Granit Xhaka in reality. Um, I, I, I wasn't impressed in that sense by your midfield. And I thought it was actually very annoying uh, game plan-wise how Liverpool just said, screw it. <laughs> Literally, they just said, we're launching this ball. Mane, Salah, Firmino, just run onto it. You will eventually get this. Their defenders aren't good in the air. Um, we'll deal with this. I, I thought that was really annoying. I wanted to see, you know, like you said, if it's, if it's such a robust, fluid midfield, let's see you pass through it. They just said, screw that. We're going to avoid you. So in a sense, it was interesting to see tactically what Arteta was doing, but it was also ridiculously stupid how easily you got bypassed time and time and time again. Not to say Liverpool got bypassed a lot, by the way, in this game. Um, we'll talk about that. But it was just very, very... Keep amazing. in mind also, keep in mind Liverpool's choice of three today was not like a creative or a possession. Like it didn't have Henderson. It didn't have Thiago. It, didn't, you know, it had people like G- Wijnaldum and Naby Keita, which are, again, runners as well, not possession really. So I think they played to that strength as well, like the Liverpool's midfield. Like I think if Thiago or Henderson were playing you would see a lot more possession from Liverpool trying to break down Arsenal slow. And it might have not been the best for them, actually. You know, you never know how how this game went. But I think also the personnel for Liverpool dictated a little bit how they built up the play, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Rick, Rich, oh, I was just going to say that Roche is here. Oh, Roche. Hello. Gentlemen, everybody. I'm just, yeah, just greetings. Um, just making a quick little sub appearance on this podcast and honored to be here. I missed everybody. How's it going? I missed you too, man. What, what's, uh, are, you, are you popping in and popping out or what's the deal? Yeah, just, you know, I mean, I'm a bit behind on games because I was in uh, Provincial Park this weekend and, uh, you know, I was, I was keeping one eye on my phone for updates and obviously looking for, forward to the bands. I see Mohanad is wearing his Arsenal shirt over here, which is adorable. You know, uh, but so yeah, you were uh, out in the bush this weekend. Literally out in the bush. Uh, nice. And, and thinking about football at the back of my head. Um, so, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're just talking about Arsenal Liverpool here. We just got into our first game. Um, Alex, what were you going to say? You had the point. Um, so, well, something that struck me, you know, about Liverpool was that they, they weren't. They weren't very good. Like uh, to Bernie's point, they, they didn't really play through the midfield. Although that generally that's not their strength anyway. Although we may see more of that with when Thiago is a, is a fixture in the team. Um, and so it was it was a bit of a game of pinball. But what struck me was that Liverpool ultimately won this quite comfortably in in second gear. And Arsenal have beaten them the last two times they played them, both times under Arteta. Um, and, and I. It's not that I expected Arsenal to win, but I don't think I expected Liverpool to, to win by a couple of goals. Um, I, I think I think ultimately they were a lot more comfortable than even they might have thought they would be. I, uh, 
Sorry, Mohanek, go ahead. I don't know if you were on mute or not. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, Alex, you were saying, like, you know, the pin. I, I think the first half Liverpool dominated pretty much with Arsenal just on the back foot. I know that goal, you know, it was against the run of play, but pretty much Liverpool really dominated the second half. I thought the first half. I thought the second half was, like you said, the more of that pinball effect that was happening. And Arsenal, and that happened because Arsenal, I think, went to the second half at 2-1 down, if I'm not mistaken. And at that point, they let go a little bit of the defensive game plan and realized that, you know, Arsenal has to get a bit more expansive. And I thought Arsenal actually had the better part of the game when they kind of almost took a bit more of a chance. You know, Ceballos came on and he, you know, he's different than Chaka, obviously, in, in the flair that he wants to bring on and stuff. And I thought, could you have done that all game? Maybe not. But Arsenal at 2-1, you know, they were looking, not I wouldn't say favorites, but there was something there for Arsenal to get. Like, there was a potential 2-2 coming from Arsenal. Um, but obviously, you know, Liverpool at the end closed it out and they were the much better team. But I thought the second half was quite interesting. I, I felt that um, I did. I did notice that. I felt that it wasn't the the shambles of a performance, all, all in all. But I will say this: Liverpool had twenty one shots in this game. Arsenal had three, and two. Actually, all three fell to Lacazette, who scored and then missed two. In my opinion, disgusting finishes that that had to be goals. Um, uh, someone said Allison is standing on his head. I'm. I'm not of that opinion. I think that. Uh, Lacazette fluffed his lines twice when he, when he didn't have to. That said, I think even if you did score, Liverpool would have scored some more because they were just coming. It, as you said, it was it was pinball, but there was one that one where Jota and Salah got in each other's way. Like they were just messing around. It, like they great. really could have scored at least five or six in this game if they felt like it. And they were like Alex said, they were not in first gear. While you you I don't know. <laughs> but it's a, it's a game of margins. Lacazette has to score those goals to at least make it interesting. Like, I don't know what he was doing. Those, those were horrendous misses. I mean, one of them, it, it turned out, the first one, it turned out he was offside anyway, but it doesn't take anything away from the horrendous finish because he didn't know he was offside at that point. And the second one is, is also just just awful. And like, it, as you said at the time, like that was the game plan. Like, suck up the pressure, take it, hit them on the break you know, get behind their high line and, and take your chances. And it's unfortunate were, those chances fell to Lacazette and not Aubameyang. Because there were so many, so many chances where Arsenal could have gone over long and they missed it. You know, there was a couple of chances for Pepe when he came on. There was a couple for Willian early Maitland on. Niles, that one. Exactly. There's just a lot where, like, it's not a hard pass for a professional footballer to, to make, especially with all that space behind. Even Ceballos' pass to Nketiah even though he came on and he added creativity and he gave that beautiful one and one with Lacazette. That pass to Nketiah was, you know, over hit. Nketiah one-on-one rounds Allison, and, you know, you get your goal. So it's just, again, like Bernie said, fine margins. Liverpool just have so much more um, ability. And at the end of the day, you know, Arteta's a fantastic, I think he's a fantastic manager. He's trying to play to the strengths of his team. It would just be much better if he had a stronger team. <laughs> That's pretty much what it would come down to. You know, he can be as great as he as he is or as he can be or whatever potentially has as a manager. End of the day, you need 11 really good players. You know, you need a better striker than Lacazette. You need a better midfield than Elneny, Shaka. Like, it's just what it is. Yeah, yeah. And we'll see over the next, we, we have week, yeah, over the next week whether they're actually able to bring anyone in. Um, but just before we move on, uh, Bernie... What do you think of Diego, uh, Diogo, rather, Jota uh, for Liverpool? Because for me, 
that's a really good signing. Um, it's a good signing. It's a, it's a, it's big money. Uh, confuses me because I felt like if you're gonna spend forty five million or something on Jota, why not add an extra seven and just do the Werner deal? Like, yeah, that is weird. Like Firmino, I'm gonna keep this agenda till I die. Probably. <laughs> like, I don't. I think that they could have bought Werner and then shift Firmino into like a wing position or something. And then you don't have to buy Jota. Like, I like Jota. He's good. But that's a better deal to me. I, I, I just don't get what they're doing. But, hey, it's a good signing overall. And he scored in his debut uh, and looked very So, fine. So Liverpool is going to walk the league, right? Well, City are already out of it. I mean, we'll get, we'll get onto that. They're walking the league in second gear, fam. Not, they're not even going to play well. They've not played well at all. They've actually not no. played well at all. <laughs> they, they haven't. They haven't. Uh, and you know who's but, played worse? Time in on, on the point about Liverpool walking this league. I think that they won this league, and I said this openly, and I, I, was, I was terrified and, and gutted by their signing of Thiago Alcantara. I think that he is easily an insurance policy that they're at least going to win the league this season. Complete steal. What a player. And I, I'm just, it, might, it breaks my heart as a rival fan, to see such a good player go to a class team. I mean, a class Well, they also, they also beat Arsenal without him. I mean, imagine, you're right. Like, imagine once you add him to the team, like, he, you know, he was almost the best player against Chelsea once he came on as well. Like, it's crazy. Like, oh, he, yeah. Against Chelsea. Old. Against Chelsea, he, in the, in the second half that he played, he had more passes than all of the Chelsea players. Yeah, no, that's what he's going to do. He's going to suffocate you to death with possession. And then when you're tired of it and you step up to him, he's going to slip in Mane or Salah and it's a goal. Like, that's what's going to happen. He actually, I'm uh, just checking, he actually wasn't even on the bench today. Do yeah. anyone know why? Injured, yeah. Him and Allison were doubts before the game. So uh, only Allison could have. Who was it? Yeah. Is it still Adrian? It's Adrian, yeah. Yeah, he might have not made that. You know what? Lacazette, you know, I know we want to move on, but Lacazette had a plan, which is to push the ball to the right. Play it to the left. It just it wasn't left enough, and Allison is so big that his arm was in the right position. I think Adrian does not save that. It wasn't left at all. I know, I know, but the idea. <laughs> I know. All right, um, Manchester City. <laughs> uh, Manchester City two, Leicester City five. This was this was bonkers. This was absolutely bonkers. So we've seen we've seen two different centre back pairings at City so far. We've seen. Ake and Stones, they got away with that. And now we've seen Ake and Eric Garcia. And when you pair either of those combinations with uh, Mundy, who, who doesn't want to do any defending, <laughs> and Kyle Walker, who like is still relying on his pace to get himself out of his bad positioning, it's just a shit show. Uh, like Guardiola put Fernandinho and Rodri as his two central midfielders, presumably doesn't usually play with both of them, right? So presumably it's to protect the back four, and they did not do that. Uh, Mendy's actually a disgrace. Like, I, <laughs> no, like it's, it's actually it's actually annoying. Like watching a professional footballer do what he's doing. Like, and we've talked about Mendy for a while now. Like, I think after past his first eight months or whatever at City until that injury, sure he was unreal. And then I don't know what happened. Just the is it unprofessional of him? Is it just he, that sec? I think second goal, he was just walking around, man, while Castagna um, kind of got to the byline and, and crossed it for Vardy. He was he was walking around most of the game. And we've seen this last season. This is not something we're picking up today. You know, we talked about this end of last season, all of last season, maybe even the season before. Just his, his interest isn't there. His ability doesn't seem to be there. 
And he's a very expensive player to have around when he's not playing as well. Because at the end of the day, you've got Mendy, you're going to play him. You know, because, you know, is Pep going to put Zinsenko or, you know, could he put, what's his name, from right back there? Um, Cancelo? The Cancelo? I don't Cancelo? It's going to be better dropped. than Mendy. Mendy has to get dropped. He is such a weakness for Leicester. For but, a it's, it's it's actually a, a mystery. Sorry, Bernie. I just, just very quickly, like Mendy Mo, as you say, like after the injuries, just fell off a cliff. And Jao Cancelo is one of the best fullbacks in Europe a couple of seasons ago, and we never see him. I, d- I don't understand it. I I, th- I think it's. I mean, Mendy's injuries are one thing, but he gets up the pitch pretty well. Like I I don't think his injuries have anything to do with his brain. He doesn't really have one. It's really shocking how just stupid he plays the game of football. Yeah, and but you know how much time he spent on Twitter in those two years he was in? Shark, shark, mess shark, up your brain. shark team or something? Like, <laughs> like honestly, he, it's so, so dumb. Even the penalty gave away. I was like, what are you doing? How His body shape was weird. I was like, I don't understand your body Bro, shape in this he, instance. He has not been the same since he was bodied by Traore. <laughs> You know, that'll do that to you, man. It shook his soul. <laughs> shook his soul. But yeah, I mean, just, yeah. Anyways, overall, I think they also, City also played without a striker. I don't know where Jesus was. Was he even on the side? Jesus and Aguero are both injured. Yeah. Um, Bernardo Silva's out. So, like, I mean, let, let me read you City's bench because we'll get to Leicester, who, who won the game, by the way. But, like, City's bench, Zinchenko, Zach Stefan, who's the subkeeper. Laporte was on the bench, so I guess he's coming back from injury. Uh, Ferran Torres, Liam Delap, De- who's the 17-year-old son of Rory Delap, uh, and who actually came on and played up front. Um, and then two kids called Thomas Doyle and Cole Palmer, who I've never heard of. So, like, they are, they are light right now. I'll, I'll, I'll say this about, about City in that, yes, they were, they were dumb. Yes, they played. And you should never lose 5-2 to Leicester, like, whatever. Like, one, there are two things here. One, they're just not prepared. I don't care what anyone says. Man City are just not fucking prepared <laughs> like there's no chance well, they came that. later right they came later a week they, later in because they ended well, a week later yeah same thing they had no preseason effectively and also that we all know what's happening people are getting injured like and and you know people are not fit and are getting injured because they've had no rest effectively so the premier league have messed this up although i love to see city fall they've messed this up this this least season has to be pushed back at least two or three weeks it makes no sense to play this. I mean, even against Wolves, where they won 3-1, second half, they could have lost 6-3. Like, they were dead on their feet. I don't understand, like, what is going on. Right. Me, well, me and Alex also were discussing this other aspect of it, which is the whole, you know, the Mourinho-Pep style of management. We even see, seen it, we, we think, maybe a little bit with uh, Pochettino at Spurs. It's that high-intensity managers, like Pep, like Mourinho, whatever, but Mourinho fell off a cliff a little bit. But let's, let's focus on Pep here. After three years, is this his fourth year at City or fifth? Fifth, fourth or fifth? Fourth, fifth, fourth? fourth, I think. Okay. So I think after that high intensity three seasons, and you've won a lot of things, you know, you've won the Premier League, you've won a, a, a domestic quadruple, blah blah blah. It can be hard, no matter how professional the players you have are. It can be hard to get them going again. Sometimes it just, you know, you cannot motivate the same group of players to go at the same intensity again and again. And we've seen it with Mourinho, right? The whole first season and then second season win and then third season slump. It could be happening with Pep too, where they're just tired of this constant nagging, nagging, nagging about do this, do that, do that. I mean, look, we, we all watched the uh, the Man City All or Nothing series. I think we all did anyway. And like at the end of that series, you're tired of Pep. And that's just yeah. like six episodes. So like <clears throat> after three or four or five years... 
and 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 Pepe is relatively innovative relative to other coaches. So at least you're going to get a few more ideas that, than you might with someone else. But like, yeah, yeah you're just going to get bored. And and a lot of this team is is the same. You know, Mendy's been there a few years. Walker's been there a few years. Fernandinho, obviously, De Bruyne, Sterling. <laughs> Mendy not not in pitch like, time though. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, <laughs> And, you know, we, we did see that, like, with, with Pochettino, is that, like, at some point, either you change the squad or you change the coach. And well, he's trying. He spent $350 million on defenders. I, yeah. I, I disagree. Well, I, I see your point, and I agree. My only thing is, I think with Pep, he's still going to finish second. Like, he might, he might be 20 points behind Liverpool, for example, but he's going to finish second. It's never going to be the complete calamity of a Jose Mourinho. Where no. you're gonna, where Chelsea finished tenth, or United finished sixth, like it's never gonna be like that. So in my head, it's like it's never gonna be bad enough with Pep that you have to sack him. You know what I mean? So, but what we've seen to this week, the five-two to me is more the fact that they're just not prepared. A lot of people are injured. It mainly is just they're not prepared. I, I don't, I don't think we should be thinking, All especially right. at this stage of the season, <laughs> too far beyond that. Let's give Leicester some yeah. credit here because they did play very well. And this was, again, without their... Um, well, people could say their best player or second best player in James Madison who came on in the 70th minute and got an absolute colossal. But, you know, again, they played really well. And Harvey Barnes can be suspect, but he played really well this game. Um, and I thought Mendy, <laughs> speaking of Mendy's, <laughs> Mendy, Leicester was phenomenal in midfield. You know, you're going up against Fernandino, Rodri, and Kevin De Bruyne, and mainly De Bruyne and Morris cutting in on you and all that stuff. And Foden is a great player too. You know, you have to do a great job. And he, you know, he came through this game without even a yellow card, not even a lot of fouls. He did his job brilliantly, I thought, Mendy. And, you know, even though he looks funny, he's a great player. <laughs> he does look funny. Um, talking back to that, uh, replacing Kante and, and Morris yeah. with Mendy and uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, he was fantastic, as as was Tielemans, I thought. Um, and I'd actually forgot that Daniel Amati was still there, so that was nice to see him, I suppose. Um, and like, Manad, one of your favorite topics, Jamie Vardy. He's he's actually getting he's getting better every year. He, he not necessarily in in terms of goal scoring, but his all round play is is brilliant. And he's not, you know, people say he relies on his pace, which looked like what he was doing when Leicester won the league because of all the balls they just bombed down the wings with Mars and that. But he's actually a really smart player. He knows what he's doing. He gets penalties. He can flick. He can trick. He's, he's a man. He's one of the best strikers in this league in the last four or five seasons. And that's, you know, for someone playing at Leicester, for someone that we didn't know and came from the, whatever, the champion, not even the championship, I think conference at one point. He's a fantastic player. And that's why, you know, I keep harping on how much I was upset when Arsenal lost out on him. And I was like, yeah, whatever. No, but like, I could see just how good this guy. And like, you're right. He's getting better and better and better. And it seems like, you know, on a personal level, staying at Leicester maybe wasn't the worst choice for him. He's playing very well. Leicester are competing. They're trying to get into the Champions League. I mean, last year was a bit of a calamitous fall at the end there. But, you know, if they get into the Champions League, then, you know, he, he has every right to stay and he's contributing and he's the main man. And he his second goal was world-class. Like, absolutely world-class. Like, when, you know one of those where you're watching and you can't believe what you just happened? Because you, you already imagine what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But like, I knew he was going to backheel it, but I thought into Ederson. I'll flick it over him like that. I know. I was just like, this is something. Else. No, it was yeah. it was a beautiful goal. Um, it's 
beautiful finish. There's, there's nothing to take away from that. And was it Castagna that, that put yeah. the ball in? Uh, he's been, he's interesting. He was bought to cover Chilwell. And then they're like, oh, he can play right back too? Okay, cool. <laughs> and, he's, and he's brilliant. It's like I, I said this before. Whoever Leicester are scouting, buy that guy before they do. Like, just do it. Like, you can't get me Mares, Conte, Vardy, and like, people aren't just trying to hire their scouts. Like, come on, guys. Like, yeah. even, even Tillemans is a, he's a known player, but what a great buy to just snag him away. He's been fantastic for them. And, and, and Suyunshu, what a buy that was. And even Justin, a left back, is slowly growing into yeah. it. I mean, they picked up Justin from Luton, I think. Suyunshu, Arsenal were linked with for two years and then Leicester bought him. That was infuriating. Um, and, and they've also just bought uh, Cengiz Under, which will be really interesting. And apparently, oh, yeah. and Suyuncu are massive, massive mates. But That's one where I'm like, okay, so. like, let them have him. Don't don't chase after that. That's fine. Uh, we'll see. I mean, he's very, very injured. Exactly. Where was Schmeichel before Leicester? Because I remember Schmeichel being very suspect wherever he was, and we would joke about him, and he's shit. And it's Birmingham. Just but then when he came to Leicester, they seemed to do something. He's a great keeper for them. He is. Although I think like Leicester were in League One when he arrived. Anyway, uh, our link is about to die. So we'll, we'll log off this one and jump back into the other games when we get back. Brighton 2, Manchester United 3. Um, Solskjaer was grinning like the Cheshire Cat after this game, which was bizarre because, frankly, Bernie, your team got away with this. Got away, stole the shit. I don't know what you're talking about. Got away. <laughs> like this, this was honestly highway robbery. Um, you know, the United did not look good in this game, and and to the point that I'm making consistently, they were completely unprepared, physically, mentally unprepared. No preseason. These guys are not aware of what they're doing. Uh, Paul Pogba looks. Fat in the face. Like, he, he, he looks so far off the pace, it's not even funny. Pogba still is not fit. And that's what no. they said. They, they, he's not fit at all. Like, if you're misplacing passes from the, the distance of, like, me to, like, my freaking laptop, like, he's not fit. And <laughs> they're what they're doing is they're deciding that they're going to play him into fitness because they don't have other games to put him in. So how else are you going to get it? He's not fit. Wambasaka was not fit. He is first... Like, he had one training session. Like, these guys are... Mason is not fit. Martial is not fit. It's disgusting. But forget the fitness. They were just bad on top of being unfit. And they got away with it. Like, unbelievable robbery. I laughed and I smiled and I loved it. But unbelievable robbery. Didn't Brighton hit the post like six times? Man, Brighton was so good. I, we, I, I was saying this at least, I think it was either last week or the week before. <coughs> Brighton have been playing some wonderful football. And still um, losing games. And still losing games because it's what they do. Um, and they have an English manager, so there's only so far they're, they're going to get, really. But, um, but they, they really do play some good football. That said, best piece of football in this game, the Rashford goal was delish. Mm-hmm. The little twist. Oh. I, I, well, like, no one expected the last one. Because you already got both of them on your on their ass. Just take it. <laughs> you know, on your strong foot, you're done. And then that extra one he did, that's the one that took everybody by the, the extra one was the soft, the softness of the touch from the left to the right. Like, you know, he rolled it over. I thought, like, you know, it'd be more powerful than that. It was just a soft roll that took the man down. But also yeah. before that, the pass to release him was ridiculous. Absolutely. From and Bruno, thing, wasn't it? Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing about Bruno in this game. I was yelling in my other group chat, get him off because he was shit. You have another group chat? 
well, three, five others. But he was really shit. But it was his assist for the 1 1. It was his through ball for Rashford and his penalty. When Bruno is shit, he still gets stats. It's ridiculous. What yeah, well, too bad, too bad, too bad that goal doesn't count because of the deflection at the end. So it's just still a shit goal. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Bruno is, a, Bruno is a good player. I mean, the banter comes from the diving and the penalties and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, no one, is dis- no one disagrees, even you know, after all the banter stuff, that Bruno is not a good buy. He was a fantastic buy. You had zero creativity in midfield. Paul Pogba needed to get a bit deeper because he's not a number 10. And you needed someone up there to, you know, be creative. And he did not have that. So now, you know, Bruno is a fantastic player, very creative, and you needed him. The banter comes from all the diving, which happens constantly and it happened this game. Again, not even in the penalty box, just for fun now, apparently. And obviously the sheer amount of penalties that you... It's not his fault that United get so many penalties. He just takes them all. So, <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was great. Well, there was also the... He doesn't help himself when... Was it Lamptey that he brought down? Mm-hmm. For, for Lopez penalty, and he accused Lamptey of diving, and it's like, bruh. That was a Stonewall just, penalty. Just don't. I, I was like, what are you doing, mate? Like, he complains about everything, so he's one of those, like, see you next Tuesday players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that, Mope with a with a Panenka, beautiful Oof. Panenka, and they hit in the celebration. And let me just tell you, okay, part of why I enjoyed this finish more than anything. So for those who don't know, it was 2-2, Man United got their first corner of the game in the 97th minute or whatever the hell it was. Maguire is going in. It's the, the what's it, off the line. But Mope puts his hand out like an idiot. Like, I don't know why his hand was up there. Like, he's like trying to do the people's elbow or something. Like, get out of here. He's, he's three foot three. Like, he's just trying to get <laughs> anything in the way. <laughs> it was so dumb. And then we score and all United fans on Twitter just doing the crying celebration because of this. Bro, 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 you missed out the most important part. The game ended. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did the game, and everybody was walking away to the tunnel, and then VAR calls him out. Look, with the rules, everything happened by the book. It's a penalty. The ref has every right to bring it back and retake the penalty. All good stuff. At the end of the day, it's still Man United and Man United luck and Man United referees, and the story will continue. It is Fergie or not, you know? Sorry, it just... Regardless of how by the book everything went, it's still disgusting and horrible. Uh, and this is the beautiful thing. And all that. And this is the beautiful thing. Us United fans have accepted this. And <laughs> and you can banter us all we want. We're like, we want sixty penalties this year. We're telling you that to your face. Well, so you're gonna you're, you want. You're, you're gonna get it because we're on track for two hundred penalties this Premier League season, the way things are. I think we've got twenty penalties in the first two match days. So you know, Long do the may it continue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh man! I mean, we're, okay. We'll, we'll we'll get to we'll get to the game where where the decision really really riled people up. So United win. Uh, Tottenham won. Newcastle won. There for me, there are two stories here. The first is the penalty decision at the end, which obviously changed the result and made everyone lose their minds. The second is Tottenham's performance, which uh, I want to talk about because. Like I really went into Mourinho last week after the Everton performance, and this week was completely different. Like completely different from Spurs, who actually played football, took the initiative, dominated possession, created chances, and put themselves into into the position to lose the game at the end by not scoring another one, despite hitting the post, hitting the bar, what have you. But this was a completely different Spurs to what we've seen, what we saw last week, and we saw towards the end of 
end of last season, Bernie. You, you saw the highlights. What did you think? It, it, it was, you know, one-way traffic in this game. Uh, I, I, I actually tuned in and watched the saw up to the first goal, decided it's over, they're going to smash these guys, fell asleep. And then I actually had a dream that Spurs lost 2-1 due to some late shenanigans. Opened my eyes, checked live score. I was like, 1-1? 97th minute? Lord, I was so happy. And I looked at the highlights, and Spurs absolutely dominated them. It could have been 3-4-0 in the first half. However, I, I need to point this out. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the end of the Brighton game said, uh, I'm glad that Jose didn't measure the goalposts because he did that in the Europa League because, you know, we hit the po- they hit the post six times. The post must have been really low. He was actually trying to, like, compliment and, like, play around with Jose. Jose got mad, and he's like, well, don't measure the goalposts. Measure the six-yard box or whatever because you're going to need, like, 22 yards for a penalty. And then he got undone by a last-minute penalty in the game. Joy. Joy. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know what the... What the issue is here. I know everybody's talking about that decision at the end. I thought, you know what? Spurs conceded that penalty fair and square. It was fully deserved. Newcastle had the upper hand in that last minute. Fully deserved an equalizer for their endeavors in from between approximately the 95th and the 97th when they started lumping it down. And you get, you know, you don't, you know, you don't try. You don't bet. You don't win, right? And I think Newcastle fully, fully, I mean, they're, Spurs are lucky. You guys didn't go on and score a second there. So I thought it was a <laughs> really good result um, for uh, Tough for analysis. Tough analysis there. But it does, it does uh, bring me on to a serious point, which is that, and, and Newcastle did this. Newcastle absolutely did this, is that with the laws as they are, with the penalties that are being given, teams are absolutely doing this deliberately. Like they st- When they started lumping it long to Andy Carroll and he started flicking it down, they, they just appealed every time. He just flicked it down and then everyone went, oh, have ball, just in case. <laughs> because you do that, they're going to look. And once they look, they'll find something. It's like Teams will absolutely keep doing this. Honestly, it, it, it would be stupid for any team to play football outside the 18-yard box this season. I get it. Like, you know, pass around the midfield and keep possession and trying to penetrate. No. Get in the box. Someone will find something in the video and you yep. will get a penalty. It's just yep. going to happen. And, and no matter how much you're being dominated just like Newcastle were being dominated by Spurs, get the ball get the ball in the box, something will happen, raise your hand, and you'll get a call of some sort. The problem I, I, is, this is what we asked for. This rule is what we all asked for. Everyone we said... We did not ask for this. Listen, I, I'm sure there's a soundbite of you saying, just get naked, anything hits the hand, and let's move on. Because people well, were like complaining. Gary that was Gary, Gary Lineker. Well, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Gary Lineker is representative of a lot of people at that time, because there were all these handball, is it, is it not? And... People react and go, you know what? Just make it simple so we can move on. Then when it's simple, they're like, what the hell is this? No, but Alex had a really good point. Alex said, you have VAR. Don't use VAR to dumb down the decision. Use VAR. Keep the decisions exactly the same, which is the referee has to decide whether it was intentional or not and whether it affected the play or not. So these two categories, the referee has to make a decision. The problem before is that the ref had to make a decision on these two in a split second, in a millisecond live, they have to make that decision. Now with VAR, keep the same rubric, just have them look at it instead of making the decision live. Why also change, like, why have VAR if it's as simple as did it touch his hand? They're freaking see if it touch his hand in real time. Exactly. Well, sorry, let me me ask you a question then. Yeah. I I agree this one was dodgy. In fact, this one, in reality, I would not call this if I had had the rules myself. 
But is his hand in an unnatural position? And no. I, 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 I ask no. you the question only because this. I, I, ask you the, I ask you the question only because the rule has been diluted and changed and messed up with this unnatural position. Because it was in, it's supposed to be intentional, right? Like, initially. Mm-hmm. Then unnatural position came in. Yeah. A natural position and in, and in, and intention don't are, 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 they should be the same thing. They should, they should mean? be the same thing. It should we be the same thing. Like a unnatural position should be intentional. Like these two things should be the same, not different. Absolutely. And 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 also it's a joke. I mean in in this specific instance, right? You see the ball come in, Dyer jumps up for it, gets pushed in the back by Andy Carroll who then heads the ball against it. Like it's if you want to call that an unnatural position like, I just think you're bonkers. Look, look also, I'm okay. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I just that. But the other thing is that, like, this game is going at 100 miles an hour. Anyone who's played football to any reasonable level knows that you are not that in control of your limbs when you're running, when you're jumping. Like, well, you impossible. need your limbs to run. Like, you actually <laughs> need them to run. People are literally being penalized for having arms in the penalty area. Like, Except that's for what they're being penalized for. Not, not the think, strikers, Mo. We'll talk about that. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, it, it should be one of those where it's like, the ref should be able to look at it and decide whether it's intentional or not. And like Alex said, he got pushed. He doesn't even know where the ball is. I'm okay with giving handballs that are not, not intentional, but really help your team get a goal. Like, for example, yeah. you know, Lucas, when he fell on the ball and Bubba, it was a big deal. Look, if he kind of pushes the ball with his elbow into the path of his strike partner and it wasn't intentional, I'm okay with bringing that back and going, look, you gained too much of an advantage playing it with your hand. I'm still calling it. That's fine. But if it's unintentional and, you know, you can't do anything about it and it doesn't kind of result in a direct goal, then you can't call it. Man. You just can't. Like, what are you going to do? Defenders are now, we're seeing this thing where defenders put their hand behind their back and try and defend like a, you know, like a popsicle stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to, to your point, yeah? Like, if I think this season we've had, uh, what's his name? D- this was Dyer. There was one other one that happened re- very, very, very... Oh, recently. it was, was Wolf, the Crystal was, Palace one this weekend yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, there was the Lindelof one at Palace. Yep. All these guys are, are literally just being humans yep. and and getting these these penalties but on on top of that and i'm we will talk about this but in my opinion none of those whether it's lindelof or dyer or the palace one not any single one of them was as egregious as the two ones that resulted in goals from the liverpool and the chelsea one and like because these are actual things that caused an advantage for a team to score a goal but these other ones a goal wasn't going to be scored anyway like, like, you know what I mean? They weren't stopping a goal from occurring. None of these but, that, but that's the problem. That's the problem with these rules that a team that has done nothing to deserve a goal will of a sudden get a goal. It's not like, oh, somebody touched it unintentionally on the goal line. Fine. But, you know, Carol's header is from the 18-yard line. Like, the other header, I think, against Crystal Palace was, like, also very similar. So far out. It just... Like, if you I mean, tell me know. that, like, it was in, unintentional and it hit his hand right as it was about to cross the line... I can I can deal with it. I can. Yeah. But not something that's not even close to resulting in a goal, which is actually all the handball penalties that we've seen so far. Exactly. Except for Mopé. It's just... Yeah, <laughs> Mopé deserves it. It's just... We've, we've completely lost sight. And I've said this in the past, that I think there are some penalties that are given, and I'm not even talking about handballs, that are massively disproportionate rewards for something that's happened. For example... If a player is running away from goal, is on the edge of the 18-yard box, the box is packed full of players, 
and there's a tangle of legs, I, suddenly a team has a, pen, a free shot at goal in a situation where they I weren't just... even close to scoring. But with the handball, like we've completely lost sight of the fact that this is supposed to be about, penalties are supposed to be about the fact that a goal-scoring opportunity has been stopped. And if there is no goal-scoring opportunity, we really need to rethink it because it's what just you, ridiculous. Uh, Even just Steve something... Bruce thought the goal was a joke. Something that came to mind. Do you think the 18-yard box is potentially a bit too big? <laughs> Honestly, it, like, it maybe be. it's way too big. Like You're relatively far away from the goal. You get a penalty. Uh, no, I, want it, I want it to be 22 yards, as Jose said. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, no, I, I did see a good point on Twitter, though. Someone said, if it's a handball that's not directly blocking a goal, why don't we make it an indirect free kick? Yes. And I was like, I can get behind that. I really can get behind that. But you're going to get really tired of all the walls that are on the line and the, the referees like stay there and you're only three yards <laughs> because, you know, there isn't a full 10 yards. You're also, everyone's going to get tired of anything. But remember when, okay, I, I don't know if it's just me and, and maybe Roche can jump in here as well. But do you guys remember like when you're playing football as kids, there were a lot of indirect free kicks. <laughs> I remember this like a lot and I don't know why. I don't even remember what the rule was. That result. Was it a back, is it, it's the back pass, right? There's, yeah, 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 the back pass. If you pick up the back, back pass inside the box. Inside but there the, was last time, the last time I saw that happen was um, in 2009, actually, during that famous United and Aston Villa game. It was the first goal. Uh, it happens frequently, actually. I think the, the, Makeda, the Makeda game? Yeah, that game. But I think that because now keepers and defenders are like playing it out the back almost every game, they're probably just, you know, they don't have to make desperate dives for balls. And so they have better control in their boxes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that's I just, that's one rule that I really like. The whole like you can just pass it to a dude right there and not have to clear the eighteen yard box for no reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just uh, to to Mo's earlier point, I, I just feel very sorry for defenders now who are not only like like we criticize defenders all the time and we say there aren't any good defenders left and blah blah blah. blah. But like the expectations on defenders are what most of them playing at the top level at least playing a high line, be able to to recover in the space behind you. Be good at playing out from the back, like be a, a midfielder basically at the back. Concentrate, you know, make sure you don't give away a, a handball that you can give away by accident. Like there's Foul, so nobody. many demands. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. It's, especially if you're Benjamin Mundy. Like there's a way too <laughs> many way too many things for him to keep in mind. Honest <laughs> to God. Um, um, let's talk about on. Chelsea. Oh boy. This was oh, a good one. Boy. This Look, was a this was agenda filled. Shout I'm sure, bulls. <laughs> I'm not sure I thought West Brom were going to score three goals all season. <laughs> you know what? They came out on 20, not even in the first half, 27 minutes they had three goals. Martin, let's, let, let's, let's do this one according to the agendas. Like, let's, let's, okay. let's go agenda by agenda. Okay. Uh, which, okay. which one do you want to start with? Because I've got a few. Let's start with Kepa. Agenda, I know, but the Kappa agenda has finally been fulfilled. We can <laughs> put it in the locker and file under complete. <laughs> it is now done. It is official. Mendy is in as their new keeper. Uh, what's his name? I was going to say Ceballos. Caballero started in goal for Chelsea. He fucked up. Everything is great. Okay? So that one we can blot put to bed. <laughs> Imagine, imagine finally ending the Kepa reign of terror, and then within 27 minutes, you conceded three goals. Yeah, and then the camera kept look. The camera kept bringing him on, and he's trying not to laugh. You know, he, he was actually like doing things with his hands. If you're saying, yeah, his his form was really bad. He should have done this or that. I'm like what? 
So that one, that's our first agenda. Now, Bernie, let's move on to your Lampard agenda. This was a dereliction of duty for Frank Lampard. This was disgusting. Let, let's start with the fact that he made Thiago Silva captain of this football club. Like, he just showed up yesterday. Is he, he club captain? Well, I don't know. On, well, he made him captain on the day. But there was a big rumor before he signed that he was going to give him the captaincy. And to me, this was like, I'm not going to make you club captain, but every time you're on the pitch, as because I won't play much, you'll be captain. It's like, he can't speak English, first off. This is an Antonio Valencia situation all over again. Someone said, he can't speak English, but he can speak football. <laughs> not with what Bro. he did there. <laughs> Bro, Chelsea fans bantered Arsenal fans for two straight years about David Luiz. He's old. Too much money. What the hell were you thinking? Thank you for thinking of how other hands. And karma. Karma happens. Because you didn't let the dude on the train. Now, <laughs> Thiago Silva is your newest signing at like 36 and your second captain. Oh, my God. Like, that's not even the end of the Frank Lampard agenda. It's firstly, like, he did that. Secondly, you know, as much as I know, that he does not know how to coach defending. He doesn't know it. And this game proved that tenfold. Also, what is Alonso still doing playing football for Chelsea? How do you make this decision? I don't understand. This was the the one that I wanted to contribute to the agenda. So, Marcus Alonso... As we know, and I don't understand why this happens, but if he plays as a wing back, he's okay. If he plays as a fullback, he surrenders. Plays as a wing back, he's okay. Fullback, he surrenders. I don't understand why, but it is what it is. You've got Aspilicueta there, the captain, on the bench, and eventually he brings him on for Alonso to play left back. We know Aspilicueta can play left back. Why are we thinking around? Yes. Why are we thinking around with Marcus Alonso? You don't need him to attack. You've got Werner Havertz, Mount, and Tammy Abraham against West Brom. You don't need Marcus Alonso. Yeah. Also, speaking of their fullbacks, on the other side, I have been on record to say I like the look of James. I think there's a little bit of potential there. He might be something, you know, he scored that goal in whatever the first game, forget it. But in general, last season, every time he came on, he looked like he had the potential. But I've been starting to look a bit closely. I've been a bit on the Chelsea Twitter, which is like three dudes. <laughs> very brave. Shout out to Dennis, couch critic, by the way. And... Honestly, they've been saying some stuff that I started to look at, and his defensive positioning is amateur. Happened again this game for, I think, the third goal, Kyle Bartley's goal. He did not clear his line for the offside line, blah, blah, blah. And I'm seeing it more and more and more. And like Bernie said, Lampard will not coach him defensively. He will continue to be this bad, and I think he will continue to cost Chelsea defensively all season if they don't sort it out somehow. I, I, he needs to go to Atletico Madrid, otherwise his uh, <laughs> defender is null and void. I, I, I have a question here, because Frank Lampard's um, idea of fixing the defense is supposedly Declan Rice. Nah. <laughs> like, like, no, this is a thing. This is a thing. It's, it's like, he's actually actively trying to do this. Uh, I don't think they'll pull it off, but they are actively trying to do this. I really want them to pull it off, though. I, oh, I do too. Especially because if you think about it this way, right? You, you've spent fourteen billion pounds on Kai Havertz, so he has to play. Timo Werner has to play. Then you, you've got to have uh, Ziyech. You have to, yeah, Ziyech has to play. Basically, you have to play four-two-three-one to accommodate all these people, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to see. I hope they do a documentary so that we can see Lampard sit down with Kovacic and Angolo Kante and say, "Sorry, lads, 
one of you is out the team because fucking Declan Rice is replacing <laughs> them. That means an all or nothing. And that's the rumor that they're that they're trying, or they're let me not say trying, that they're open to saying Golo Conte, which for Declan Rice, mate, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't agree with that. But anyway, uh, the, that Lampard agenda is there, but he sort of redeemed himself because he made all right subs, right, and they came back yeah. three three. Yeah, who, final who? agenda, final agenda. Kai yeah. Listen, easy, easy, easy. I like the guy. No, you he's don't. Silky, he's smooth. He's got a nice cultured love for. Mm. He's you know European. Mm. I get it, and I love it. And you know, ideally, he would. He is the player that fits in my little. You know, mm-hmm. he's the Ozil of this team. I get it. I love it. But for the banter, I have, <laughs> I am so on board. This Kai Havertz agenda because it's all over Twitter because you know, the, the whole thing is that the Chelsea fans bantered Arsenal about Pepe being a failure. So now Kai Havertz in the first game was horrendous and he found his level against Barnsley or whatever they were. And then this game was horrendous again. And you know what? I am. This is now my new thing. I I watch Chelsea to watch Kai Havertz fail. I it just it is what it is. I, res- I respect your honesty. I, I do. I think an honest agenda is the best agenda. Uh, like I saw, I saw this tweet. Yeah, I think it was three. Well, I think it was a three-two goal because it was uh, Hudson Odoi, where Hudson Odoi and Havertz goal. played a one-two, and literally, Chelsea Twitter went two generational talents combining, and and <laughs> the tweet that killed me was someone just said, "It's a one-two, mate." <laughs> <laughs> I died. Standards have fallen. I died. It's a, it was just, it's a one-two. Like, Giroud looks at his own club's Twitter feed like, I do this every week. Every week I do a one-two. Oh, was it was it you, Alex, or someone who tweeted, it only took Lampard 10 months of last year to figure out that Giroud was the answer. How long will it take him now to figure it out? I, I, I didn't, but like, why is Mohamed, I don't know, Mohamed's holding up a sign. Never mind. Um, it, it, yeah, like Giroud, we said this before, Giroud, when you play him, he scores or he assists. Like He's he's incredibly useful. And I like Tammy Abraham and he was very good midweek and he deserved to start this game. But Giroud is inevitable. You have to use him. Uh, I think it was the, the French, whatever that French um, account that gets French football or whatever it is, GFFN or whatever. They were like, listen. Last Our th- news. Yeah, that one. It took uh, it took Frank Lampard ten months last season to realize Drew was the answer. Or whatever, how long is it going to take him this season? It was them. I thought it was you. So I, no. I give you. You probably retweeted it or something. Of course. Uh, the final uh, two. No, Mo's agenda again. Just just to, just to round off on the agendas. Havertz in the build up to the goal, <coughs> the the three three goal. Ball comes off his arm. Do we agree? Hundred percent. The apparently the rule is. Someone, I think it was some Arsenal guy actually who posted what the rule is and how it's not by the law illegal, which I don't understand because it led to a goal. So why are we allowing this? Like, yeah, I, I, someone said it's something to do with like if there's two or more passes after the handball that kind of aren't affected by the handball and the play kind of went on. Like, they, yeah, so they counted this as play went on and the handball wasn't really a factor here. It's like, are you serious? The, oh, my God. The guy who, who controlled it with his hand, passed it out to some dude, and that dude eventually scored a goal, you're telling me that that was somehow not part of the play? It's, it's like, if not for that handball, you don't have a goal. 
I, I, isn't it? Is it not that simple? I don't understand. Like, I, I don't get it. To me, they should have lost this game because, I mean, if the handball rule made sense, they have to apply it equally to attackers and defenders. Well, this is this is like the handball last season or two seasons ago or whatever when when Llorente scored against City in the Champions League with his arm and they let it go. Like, yeah, the arm was next to his body. Yes, but he he used his arm in football. Like, I'm pretty sure. That's- one rule, you know, you get a two-year-old, you're like, hey, how do you play football? Don't touch it with your hands. And they go, what about throw-ins? And then you just forget the whole thing. So so does intentional handball only apply to attackers? Like for attackers, it's, hmm, let's watch it on VAR and determine if it's intentional or not. But for defenders, it's, mate, you have arms. I'm sorry, bruh. Unless you're a T-Rex, you're not. Basically, the only time an attacker gets called against a penalty is when it's Suarez in the Ghana penalty box. <laughs> the only time it's gonna count or whatever, or in his own box. So it's just ridiculous. Anyways, I'm tired of you know. We said VAR is supposed to come in so that we. Oh, it's gonna take away the banter. It's gonna take away all the discussion points. If anything, it is so much worse, man. So much worse. It's so much worse. And if if football fans were worried that they wouldn't find something to banter about, like. No one finds anything to banter about better than football fans. They just make anything up to banter about. Can I give you a really good example today? I was watching the Liverpool Arsenal and my wife asked me, because she heard something in the, I think in the halftime show about Salah. And she asked me, does anyone actually, because we're Egyptian, she she just cares that Salah has good or bad. And she goes, does anyone actually think Salah is not a good player? And my answer was, nobody thinks that, but anything can be discussed in football. That was literally my answer. Anything can be discussed. Either. Since when? Since when were you so politically correct? I mean, you, you normally I would have expected you to say absolutely. Like, who would say that? Like, what a crazy person! But, but yes. that's that's my point. It made me think that anything can be argued in football. To Alex's point, you will find banter and topics of discussion about anything. Oh, f- football is the only thing where it actually pays to be illogical. So, <laughs> I should be oh, a trillionaire yeah. by now. The, the, the more stupid you are, the more followers you can get. Graham, Graham Sunes has a job. Yeah. Graham Sunes <laughs> has a job. I don't understand. Tim Sherwood. Oh my god! Anyway, uh, we've got eight minutes left. So, yeah. we miss any games? Everton. Yeah. Everton. So Everton have won all of their games so far. Yeah, nine points out of nine. They beat Palace two one. Um, again, another stupid bloody handball. I, I like. Enough already, but you know. Roche, Roche, I think, has a comment about Everton just for oh, his no. own agenda. <laughs> I think Everton are a phenomenal team, and uh, soon we'll start seeing those people who commented on Alex's article a few years ago <laughs> come out of the woodwork and start attacking us again and telling us to go and watch real football. Dude, they, they have to be Barcelona fans now because they were all defending Ronald Koeman. <laughs> to be fair. Oh. Speaking of La Liga, we should get to the Suarez debut, but after Mohamed. We, 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 will, will. we will, we will. I just want to touch on this whole, like, what Ancelotti is doing at everything. I thought it was really smart that, you know, he did he did go and get Hamas, which is fantastic, and he's a great player, technically brilliant, blah, blah, blah. But what he did was he put two absolute beasts behind him to remove any defensive um, kind of, um, I guess, contribution that Hamas has to make. Um, unlike, let's say, an Ozil or unlike, you know, whoever in other teams that are creative. And he put Alan and he put the Corey behind him. And they, too, have been absolute beasts this season, allowing Hamas to do his thing. And they are really the stars of this team. And I think they've, they've been fantastic for the last three games. They've been really good. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Alan especially has really stood out. Like, he, he, kind of is, he kind of is what Lucas Torreira was promised 
was promised as like an, uh, the ultimate defensive midfielder who plugs the gaps and, and makes the tackles and wins the ball back and let, lets it go. Um, Decore, especially when if you think about Hammers playing on the right, or coming in off the right, and then Coleman who likes to bomb forward, you have to have Decore on that side to provide that that athletic cover, and the, that, that's that's pretty smart. Um, but also, also yeah, Crystal Palace have had a really good season. I have to say, every time I watch yeah. it, they look really good. I think they beat United. They won their second game as well, if I'm not mistaken. And then they lost this one narrowly 2-1 to a penalty. They look good um, yeah. in general. And Chick, uh, you know, um, Coyote, he is playing centre-back this season. I'm not sure if it's an injury thing or he's just moving there. I'm not sure what it is, but he's been phenomenal for three games now. And what a header. Yeah. 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 No, it's true. I, li- I like Palace. I like Hodgson. Hodgson went on a, a fantastic rant after the game about the penalty rule as well. It was, it was great stuff. Um, and then, uh, so Villa beat Fulham 3-0. I, we've commented on this before, but I've never seen a team so obviously down after the first week as, as Fulham. They're horrendous. Um, Leeds beat Sheffield United 1-0. I would urge anyone who likes football to go and watch the highlights of this one because honestly, this was the best football that was played all weekend. Sheffield United against Leeds, 1-0 Leeds. The football was absolutely fantastic. Um, Bamford got the goal there. Um, Southampton beat Burnley 1-0. West Ham 4, Wolves 0. What, what, what's going on with Wolves? Well, Burnley will tell you they're tired. Uh, didn't we talk about Wolves already? That no, was that was before we recorded. <laughs> oh, oh. They're tired. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Like, guys, I think for Wolves, I'm willing to say, let's wait till five games in. Because... Nuno, one thing we know is he drills his team very, very well. That sounded weird in my in my head, to be honest with you. I'll start that again. They He's are, got a type, that's for sure. They're well drilled. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yes, get in, Alex. All the, all the uh, Ruben Neves lookalikes. Like, I think uh-huh. that's a prerequisite to play for Wolves. Like, Who was the first... one they signed? Was it Moutinho or Neves? Neves. I think Neves, yeah. Neves, then Moutinho, Neves. right? Yeah. Essentially, George yeah, yeah. Mendes. Oh, he's made twenty million. Um, what's it called? Twenty million dollars or pound? I don't know which currency it is from Wolves transfers. This, this he probably season. just gets like gold bars at this point, man. My God! But no, they were they were beaten hopelessly by by West Ham, and that's that was when I knew preseason's important. If West Ham can beat Wolves for nothing, they're not prepared at all. I'm sorry. I, for one, am surprised by two things. One, that West Ham are better without David Moyes there, you know, shot because he was quarantining, so he couldn't be there. And two, I can't believe that Wolves bought Nelson Semedo and conceded four goals. That's just very, very surprising. <laughs> I hate him. Speaking of La Liga, though, Mohamed, tell us about New Look Barcelona. New Look Barcelona was surprisingly... And maybe Villarreal are just shit because they're, you know, they're managed by Unai Emery now. But they, that first game, they just, the one thing most people took away from that game is that they were not very reliant on Messi that game. <laughs> they were, you know, usually you see every ball go to Messi and there was, a, there was one great chance where Coutinho, or the goal actually, Coutinho was running down the center and he chose to pass it to Fati over Messi. Um, Fatty being the youngster, not Suarez. Suarez left. Fatty. So, yeah. So I just thought, you know, is that going to be a trend now? Less reliant on Messi, kind of Kuman trying to get the whole team gelling, the whole team doing its thing. And, you know, also in prep, 
preparation of him potentially leaving next season? Maybe, but that was really the biggest takeaway. I mean, that that would be smart. You, you've got you've got maybe a year left of Messi. You got you got to try starting to move away from him. Yeah, but Fati was great. He scored two goals. Uh, Messi got a penalty, but Fati's two goals were brilliant. Really good, t- well taken goals. I think I think he's eighteen or not even eighteen just yet. Like he's very young. Um, he's already taken over Dembele. Dembele, you know, injured as usual. Um, Coutinho played played okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you know, easy game for Barcelona. Nothing too spectacular. Everyone was watching Messi's um, mood and all that stuff. And he wasn't the happiest, of, you know, but whatever. He did what he needed to do. So so did the headline say, brilliant fatty? <laughs> I mean, it's Spanish, whatever that is. Um, um, real quick, I guess, has, has La Liga finished then? Oh, no, well, do we have to come back and do another? Uh, no, yeah. no, we're good. Just quickly, Luis Suarez looks a little bit odd on uh, in the Atletico jersey, but I have to say the impact he has in his first game, I dare say that Atleti are going to finish second, if not first this season. I'm just going to throw that in there. Uh, anyone who wants to be a critic, as we said five minutes ago, you have to be logical in football. Here we go. Eat it. Suck it. Wow. So Atleti are going to win the league and Suarez is the Pichichi, correct? Absolutely. And then uh, the whole story about what's-his-face Bartomeu being a, a douche. Yep. That, that, that's a consistent uh, theme in football. And so yeah. is Juventus getting a penalty from a nonsense handball to, oh. to, to, to not lose in Serie A and Ronaldo getting a hang-time header. Those things, the taxes and death, are pretty consistent in this world, I think. And Roma throwing it away. Although, again, this was another penalty thing, so... Yeah. But Roma started the game with uh, Hedro, Mkhitaryan, and Dzeko as the front three, which is like the oldest front three in the world. Um, but still. Mkhitaryan was actually brilliant. It was weird. Cool. All right. That's a so- quick continental roundup. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. The oldest front three in the world actually made me laugh, but I was on mute. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Till next time. Peace out. But no one has five minutes to hang out or what? We'll, it's we'll closing we'll in a back. minute. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. 